0: Hi, welcome to Niche Movies. I'm Gabriel Gavin, your host. We won't be having a guest today, it's just going to be me. I hope you enjoy it, and let's dive right into it. So today, I want to talk about cyberpunk movies. It's a pretty underrated genre, gotta say. Not much representation. And a lot of movies I didn't think would be cyberpunk are cyberpunk and we'll talk about that a little bit but essentially if you don't know what cyberpunk is it involves dystopias, cybernetic implants mechanical, bionical limbs the works. I have mixed feelings about whether I'd want to live in a cyberpunk world or not I'd have a robotic leg but my living conditions would be horrible. So, it's all about priorities, I guess. But anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and lay out the movies I'm gonna talk about that involve this genre, or this niche, if you will. The first movie I'm gonna talk about, and these are gonna be grouped together, but I'm gonna talk about the first Blade Runner, and I'm also going to talk about Blade Runner 2049 classic movies and I can't wait to dive into them and the last movie I want to talk about is the movie that falls in the category of movies that I didn't realize were cyberpunk but it turns out they are and that movie is drumroll, drumroll for yourself if you want the matrix so besides being a sci-fi flick the matrix is in, in fact considered a cyberpunk movie as well and that wasn't really evident to me until recently so let's get into it let's talk about Blade Runner it's directed by the same guy that did Alien Ridley Scott Some of you may know who that is, but some of you may not, and he's had ups and downs in his career, but overall, he's a pretty good director. And if you've seen Alien, then that'll be a good reference point for how Blade Runner will pan out, because Ridley Scott's style, at least in his early days, centered around slow... But visually pleasing movies. And it's easy to get bored in Blade Runner if you don't really look into it, if that makes sense. I mean, for me, Blade Runner was an acquired taste. I watched it one time and I felt, mm, okay about it. But then I watched it a second time and I really started to appreciate what it was and the special effects of the time. It's kinda like seltzer. I ended up acquiring a taste for seltzer as well in the same same ways. I drank seltzer one time in a glass and I hated it. It was disgusting. Fast forward to a couple weeks later I drank another glass of seltzer and I said it's okay. And then the next day I thought I'd try it again. And now, I really enjoy seltzer. It's like soda, but without the weird feeling you get in your stomach from the recent influx of sugar. So that's not part of seltzer. It's just a nice, crisp taste. But anyway, to lay all that out through the metaphor, that's what Blade Runner's like. You might not like it at first, but I'd give it another go if I were you. Because it's really stunning honestly and there's so many little details in the movie visually speaking and honestly it helps to listen to the soundtrack by itself because if you're me that really enriches the viewing experience for you it's got really creative techno style music <laughs> that is also very noir so it's very techno noir movie if you will but Blade Runner it's not flashy. It's not gonna make you your eyes drop out of your skull. It's more like a, a observing a forest and it's beauty type experience. And the, the dialogue there's not much of it, but it's pretty good. The bits that are there, and there's there's a lot of world building too. Like you can just tell within their speech different aspects of the world and. As he's riding around in his flying car, there's these huge advertisements for corporations. So there's indications that corporations are pretty heavily involved in this world. And believe it or not, Atari is a pretty big company in this world. And I actually found out that there was a, a curse on businesses—a curse, I say, with bunny ears that you can't see, but. Now you can visually see it. And this curse was that businesses that were in Blade Runner, with the exception of Coke, mind you, businesses that were in Blade Runner ended up dying and completely tanking. Businesses like Atari, unfortunately, did not strike as big of a profit margin in the decades after that movie came out. Rest in peace, Atari. But I digress. Blade Runner is a very detailed movie. Every shot is well thought out. There's a scene with a fountain and just general water, like inside a building. And there's this effect in the scene of the water emanating off the ceiling. And I did this by putting mirrors in the water and shining a light over it and so it created this beautiful aqua vibe to the room and to the ceiling of the room especially and also the general special effects of the movie show up well even today I was honestly surprised at how real it looked considering the technology they had at the time and the general options for special effects, I was really impressed with it. So just a general plot synopsis, the movie stars Harrison Ford who is a Blade Runner and a Blade Runner is basically a cop in this Well, not futuristic sci-fi, because it takes place in 2019, ironically. But he's this futuristic cop called a Blade Runner, whose job is to find replicants. And replicants are basically androids that were made to be slaves, essentially. And so there's this whole theme in the movie of what it means to be human, And anyway, this character, uh, his name's Deckert, he's assigned to find lost Blade Runners that have gone off the radar, have went into the dark, technically speaking, and he has to go find them. And that's what makes this movie also a noir movie, not just cyberpunk. And part of the reason I like this movie so much is it's a combination of two immensely underused genres. The genre of noir and the genre of cyberpunk. It's like those two genres had a baby, and they named it Blade Runner. And I know it's probably questionable as to why the movie is called Blade Runner, and why the cops that hunt down these androids are Blade Runner, and... I don't know, there's not really anything in the movie about, I don't even think there's a blade in the movie and I don't even think there's anyone running on a blade in the movie. Like before I saw it, I could see someone thinking it was about ice skaters or something or a professional Olympic ice skater, you know, that seems more accurate with the title, but nope. It's a dystopian sci-fi flick about a guy who hunts down androids, so... Bet you didn't figure. Thanks, Ridley Scott. You go from having a super direct title, Alien, gee, I wonder what that's about, to Blade Runner, which is a very abstract title. But, it's a very cool title, I'll give it that. And so, yeah, he, he's hunting down these androids in... Yeah, he really goes through a lot of character development, and he meets a girl who is an android. And this is a spoiler uh, of the movie, but it is very old, so I don't feel as bad. But, well, it's not really a spoiler. It's just a theory. But they kind of leave a question as to whether Deckard, the main character, is a replicant or not. And I didn't want to just bring this theory up to spoil the movie for you guys, because it still is abstract at the end, but I wanted to bring it up because there's actually a lot of interviews outside of the movie itself between Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford, and essentially Ridley Scott just ruined all the abstract curiosity of that ending by just up and saying, yeah, Deckard's a replicant. And Harrison Ford actually didn't like this. He he didn't want Harrison to... Harrison didn't want his character to be a replicant. So if you guys want to know about Hollywood drama, that was a bit of some. Harrison thought that Deckard just being a replicant would ruin the, the themes of the movie, of this theme of man versus machine. And so, one more thing I'd like to mention about Blade Runner is it contains one of the most famous monologues in movie history. And the unofficial title of this monologue is The Tears in Rain Monologue. It's very short and sweet, but very good. And I'm not even going to attempt to mimic it, because that would take away from it. But that final part, if you don't pay attention to the whole movie, the last five minutes of that movie, or last seven minutes, let's just say, to have a good window the last seven minutes just turn the volume as loud as you can just to hear the beauty of that monologue because it's great and the music to it is amazing as well and you're just like whoa whoa so we've spent some time talking about the first bleed runner but let's get to the second one one maybe younger audiences could relate to more because It's new, it's hip, it's got all the new special effects. And believe me, the visuals, they had a very high standard for the visuals in Blade Runner 2049 because that's what the first one was known for. In my opinion, it delivered because it's like it's very similar to the first one. The fact of there's just so many long, awesome shots and so much world building with every frame and it it definitely is a good modern retelling of the world of blade runner because it's using the technology of today and still doing the same thing and it's just if nothing else it's it's a good movie just to observe and like like looking at a moving painting which is what movies are basically <laughs> But this movie reminds you that that's what movies are, is basically moving paintings. But you know, the the dialogue is good too. It's limited, like the first one. They were really trying to hold with a lot of the same styles as the first one in Blade Runner 2049. You know, there's not much dialogue, but when there is, you're just, yes. And it's very stoic and thoughtful. And the synopsis of Blade Runner 2049 is essentially this replicant is a Blade Runner. Which is interesting because Blade Runners are assigned to hunt down replicants. And so essentially he has to hunt down his own kind in the movie. And at the beginning of the movie he stumbles upon this this corpse. That was actually buried really deep under a tree So of course the only way he would have found that Is through modern x-ray technology Of course, cyberpunk, you know So he finds this corpse And it turns out the corpse was pregnant And so most of the movie is him tracking down this Child that's basically missing And I won't spoil this one as much because... Well, I won't spoil it any because it's a modern movie. And it hasn't been out for very long. It only came out in 2017. But it's it's very well done. And I really like the love story in it. This isn't really a spoiler because they pretty much established the love story at the beginning of the movie but this replicant this android is in love with basically a holographic ai and it sounds dumb at first hearing it and i thought it was dumb at first seeing it It's a very cyberpunk thing. An android falling in love with a holographic AI home unit. That's very cyberpunk-esque. So they did a good job at establishing the genre further with that uh, particular love story. But as the movie went on, I I got more invested in it. And it's got one of the the newest, like, one of the newest best... One of the best rookie actresses out there, in my opinion. Uh, Her name's Anna DeArms, I think. And she's also in Knives Out, which is a good movie. And she's gonna be in the new James Bond movie coming out. So she's had quite the career in the past three years. But she's great in it. She really delivers the AI well and makes her feel very human. And so, that part is a great aspect of this movie, and if you're looking for action, it does have more than the first one, I will say, but it is also slow, like the first one. It's not action in your face every section, every second, (laughs) not every section, I mean, movies are in sections, but that's not what I meant, but it's not every second But when it is there, it's, well, designed and slick. The violence and the the action usually happen quickly. It's not drawn out. It's very quick and efficient. And I guess that kind of is a good way of mirroring how replicants are. Because they're machines, you know, they're logical. But they also have emotions. There's an interesting thing they do with Kay, that's the main character, that's Ryan Gosling. There's an interesting thing they do with his character through that. Harrison Ford is in the movie, (laughs) another one of his old roles that he reprised. He definitely has a superlative for reprising the most roles from his past of any actor, I would say. But if you're looking to watch the movie solely to see Harrison Ford, then... I wouldn't say that's a good reason, because he's not in the movie that much. Now, if you're a Ryan Gosling fan, then this movie will be an eight-course meal for you, because Ryan Gosling's in it a lot. He is walking around, being stoic, investigating, very noir-esque. And the thing with noir movies is they have a lot of emphasis on the main character and a lot of it is is visual, how they tell his story it's not dialogue based but that's typical of a noir I think and that's what I like about noirs is it's kinda personal really because you don't have people outlining how you feel through words you can only feel you're the only one who knows how you feel and there's kind of that sense in noir movies, I believe too. So yeah, the the antagonist is good too. Jared Leto, he does a good job at being sinister and just grimy in general. He's a he's a weird guy, not grimy in the sense of literally, but his character just is grimy. He he's 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 very interesting though, and that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. But This movie is very visual, and I know I've said that, but it's so visual that a lot of the things about the world can only be seen. There's not much they give you word-wise, explanation-wise. There's a lot to pick out in this movie. For example, when Kay was flying over the city in his flying car, There was this giant wall, and there was oceans crashing into the wall. For background information, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 both take place in L.A., so it's a coastal city. And honestly, I watched a YouTube review of this movie, and I didn't realize it until I watched that video, but that wall was a result of keeping back the oceans from the city and that didn't even register with me i just thought well that's a that's a nice wall they got there uh must have took a while to build but it's because of rising ocean levels and so they're addressing climate change kind of in that way i suppose but it's just a really neat indication of how that world is without saying anything and you had to figure it out on your own and I don't know how people figure stuff like that on their own. Like, how'd that YouTuber find out? I don't know. I would've had to watch the movie at least three or four times to even have that thought come across my mind. And just things like that. I'm sure the whole movie's jocked full of things like that. It really makes me want to go back and watch it scene by scene and maybe pause at some areas and just say, Okay, what is in this shot? that might indicate other things another cool world building thing is wood is very valuable in this world super valuable it's more valuable than gold I'm pretty sure because like they were willing to sell it wood just a little tiny bit of wood for a really high price whenever he took it to a black market dealer, or whatever. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Well, I couldn't imagine wood being expensive now. When I was 14, I tried to build a doghouse out of wood, and it didn't work, but I was able to buy the wood materials for it with a 14-year-old salary, which is not much, not much at all. Up later in 2049, if you liked the first one, you'll definitely like this one. And honestly, both of those movies could stand on their own. You really don't have to watch one to watch the other. I mean, you get a little bit of background with Harrison Ford if you watch the first one, but it's really not necessary in my opinion. So definitely check Blade Runner 2048 out. No, nope, 2049, not 2048. That's the addictive app game where you have to add up numbers, which could be a cyberpunk trope, I think, somehow. So, now let's get to The Matrix. The Matrix, of course, (laughs) it's probably the most popular cyberpunk movie out there because it was so groundbreaking with special effects and it used CGI really well. And so it's also pretty great, like, as a movie. The plot synopsis of this movie Uh, There's this guy named Neo, who's a hacker. And he meets these people in black trench coats and black sunglasses. And they're very mysterious, and they talk very dramatically. And they're really intense in general. And these people lead him to find out he's in a simulation. And so he... uh, (laughs) the way he arrives out of the simulation is just very vivid to me and it's honestly <laughs> kind of gross but he rises out of this vat of warm goo with implants all over him and he, the grossest thing about it is he pulls this long mechanical tube out of his throat and I'm like ugh, ugh, gross and There's various other implants that he's connected to this simulation with. And so, throughout the movie, they're trying to fix all that. And this movie is visually pleasing. That's a common denominator, obviously, with cyberpunk movies. This movie does very well to cyberpunk style, and I didn't think of it at first because I just think of it as an action movie. Well, it is that, but it's also cyberpunk. And the neural implants that they install into him really testify a lot to the cyberpunk ways. He can download kung fu moves, anything he wants if he has the right download, just because he has this thing in his brain that allows him to compute that data. It sounds much more technical and boring laid out, but in the movie, it's awesome the way they show it because he wakes up in a dojo and they train. It's a mental dojo. It's awesome. If you have not seen The Matrix, stop everything you're doing. Pause this podcast. Watch The Matrix. Contrary to Blade Runner, the appeal to this movie wasn't necessarily in the visuals of the setting. It was more about the action and the style of the action. And I'm sure people who know the famous scene about Keanu Reeves bending over and dodging the bullets was in slow-mo. And it was so groundbreaking that it made many other action movies use slow-mo in their production. But this movie sticks out a lot more than your generic slow mo action movie. It's not only because it was the first one to really use it extensively, but the slow mo actually fit with the story. It wasn't plastered onto the movie simply because it looked cool. It was a great indication that these characters were in a simulation but they were bosses over the simulation, and they just were able to do things no one else in the simulation could. And it's really interesting thinking of it from someone who was in the simulation and wasn't enlightened that they were in that sort of thing, because they would have thought, oh my gosh, how are these people running on the walls? How did, how did he not break his back dodging those bullets? How did he even see those bullets? Things of that nature. So that's why the slow-mo was there, to show you this was all in their head, and they took advantage of that. They were able to see things that no one else could see. Now, for those of you who want to attempt that Keanu Reeves stunt, I would advise against it, because I saw a clip of them filming it, and they used wires. I wouldn't put it past Keanu Reeves to be able to do that without wires, of course. He probably could if he really wanted to, but don't try what he tried, because he made his body a 90 degree angle, which does not seem healthy for the back, and I wouldn't recommend trying that out. So these are pretty much the highlights of the cyberpunk genre, as limited as it is, it's got pretty good representation within these films. But there's not that many out there. I would say cyberpunk, in general, is more quality over quantity, just according to the types of movies that are out there. Although, (laughs) it wouldn't hurt me if there was another cyberpunk movie that came out, it really wouldn't. And I think it would be good if a lot more cyberpunk movies were made in general. It's like, if you think about time travel, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of time travel movies out there. But it's like the cyberpunk is some kind of taboo in Hollywood. But they've generated a lot of good movies for Hollywood, and that'll change Hollywood forever cyberpunk deals with a lot of themes it's not just great to, to watch it's also great to ponder and think about it deals with themes of when tech to- technology is too much or man versus machine or what's the line between man and machine like when do you lose your humanity humanity and when do you gain your humanity and from a sheer Primal sense Bionic limbs Awesome Being able to download Kung Fu moves into your Literal brain Awesome So overall it's a genre that should be Explored more, I think Well, thank you for listening I'm Gabriel Gavin Your host This was Niche Movies And thank you for listening